Knock This is brought to you by Viserys. Univar ES is now Viserys, the pest control distributor making a positive impact on young businesses. Along with the broad product portfolio of top brands, we offer exclusives like the Intucare Mosquito Trap. And with resources like Pro Training, Inventory Manager, and PestWeb, and over 65 locations nationwide, we provide the products and insights to grow your business. Visit go.viserys.com slash knock this to learn more. Um, today, we're going to be talking about the is line. And so if you're on here, um, pay attention to what that even means. So the is line, before I dive into that, uh, I'm working on a book called The Achievement Framework. And it's been something that's been in the works for about a year and a half now. And I put a lot more time and energy into this one than maybe previous books. Um, but if you haven't got ABCs of Closing, it's a great book. Uh, this one's going to be a lot more on sales and business just as a generality. Um, but a couple updates before I dive into the podcast. Uh, one, door-to-door cons coming up. So we've got about maybe 20 vendor spots left. So if anybody knows of a good booth or is interested in a booth, hit me up. Uh, we've got 350 tickets left. David Goggins, John Maxwell, Hal Elrod, Bradley, Tim Story, uh, phenomenal lineup. You also have 18 other business workshops. Uh, we have the guy that I did pro cavalry on podcast on John Marone. He's been on my podcast. Um, a lot of really, really good workshops as well. Um, to elevate the, the level of speaker this year, um, and really being particular on who's there, why they're there and just getting the right people in the room is going to be really exciting. So, um, before I dive into this, um, make sure to comment, share, Love you guys. Just want to know. Um, sometimes I'm out and about. You know, I was in Atlanta this week, this last week, Denver, four to five different companies I consulted, and I just, I just still get so passionate about stories. I mean, one of the companies in Atlanta the next day had their biggest day in history, and it's just like that to me is like the biggest gift you can give me. I get DMs all the time where people are like, "Hey man, I love your book. Or I listen to this podcast. It changed my career." and um hit me up when you guys have stories like that like that gets me so excited so please share those stories um tag us we love seeing where our ripple effect has made a difference amongst companies individuals and you know that's why we do it so thank you guys so much for the feedback so let's dive into this i actually have a lot of notes so if i'm looking over here it's because i have notes so the is line what is it it's simply put it's the here and now right it's what is And it's eliminating your own boxes because what happens is we have like these boxes based on our situation, our own evaluation, our emotion, where we end up like superimposing our reality on the is line. And sometimes when we're in the thick of things, it's hard to realize how bad we smell when we've smelt ourselves for so long. That would be the easiest way to look at it. It's like, I don't smell. It's like somebody else comes in the room. They're like, no, what is, is you smell. You just don't see it. Um, so really it's, um, you know, the example that I like to use in the workplace is, you know, you might have, you might be loving your job. You might have a bunch of guys under you that love the job, but the reality is one reality for one person might not be the same reality of you. So you're like, what do you mean? How do you not love it here? How do you not like get motivated every day to make a million dollars? Like, why are you not so excited to go knock doors? Why are you not so excited to go do this? We have such a good culture and incentives and prizes and this. And, and all of a sudden this rep is, is looking at you just like, what are you talking about? My is, is 
I never wanted to be a door to door guy. I never wanted this. Like, I hate these guys. I don't jive with it. Like, completely different is lines. And we want to superimpose our, you know, elements onto theirs. So you got to look at um, people from their is line as well. And that's what a good leader does. Good leaders know how to empathize and say, let's switch places for a second. Let me understand where you're coming from. What is your line? And go from there. So cool quote by John Kabat-Zinn. He's the founder of um, Mindfulness like Foundation or something. Um, he said, quite simply, the future is not here. The past is already over. We have to deal with things as they are in the moment. Healing and transformation are possible the moment we accept the actuality of things as they are. Zen, more than anything else, is about reclaiming and expanding the present moment. It tries to have you understand without arguing the point that there's no purpose in getting anywhere if, when you get there, all you do is think about getting to some other future moment. Life exists in, some, in the present and nowhere at all. And you cannot grasp that you're simply living in a fantasy. So anyway, so mo focusing on the here and now, and I'm gonna talk about the three false realities that inhibit achievement, uh, the past, the future, and confirmation bias and contextual bias. So I put those as number three. And what happens is often people, and there's, I think there's like two divides. One, one type of person that is stuck in the past. And I want to, as you listen to this or, or, or watch this, uh, focus on those people that you know always are living the past, like the Uncle Ricos of the world. And they're like, yeah, when I was back in the day, I could throw a sheepskin over those mountains. And, you know, that, or maybe they got like in a car accident. Maybe they had PTSD off military. Maybe they had family members die. Maybe they had all this stuff happened to them. Maybe they've been abused. All of this past they have. The past is the past. It is real. It happened to us. It maybe is our reality. Maybe we've started to like skew that reality, but we have trauma that is all inside of us and we build contextual walls around experiences due to the past. So let me give you a simple example. Um, let's say that I'm, let's, let's apply this to door-to-door -door sales because this is a podcast. So I'm knocking a neighborhood and it's a rich neighborhood. The first time I really, really ever knocked a rich neighborhood. Well, I got my face kicked in that whole day, maybe the whole week, and I never sold. So therefore, the next time the manager puts me in a rich neighborhood, my trauma is going to be like, well, I can't sell here. You've just put context to all, neighbor, all rich neighborhoods due to my frame, due to my experience, means I can't sell. Well, no, the reality is you haven't even knocked the door yet. The reality is these are brand new people. The reality is maybe you've gotten better. The reality is you're putting your own limitation to this. Like this, that is not a reality. You just happen to have a bad experience at one time, maybe a year ago. So there's good and bad in the past, right? So we obviously have to process the past. We have to understand like that's part of us, but how do we decentralize ourselves out of the uh, context and, and, and the boxes in which we limit ourselves? And what ends up happening, too, is a principle called self-deception. Uh, self-deception is when we also live in this false sense of reality. So, you know, you know those people. So I have a buddy that is a, is a public speaker, and, you know, he tells the best stories. Sports, speaking is all about storytelling. And it's funny, my father-in-law knew this guy. And he, you know, the speaker talks about football, and he talks about how he, he was almost in the pros and he was one of the best and he tells all these crazy stories and highlight reels. My father-in-law played football with the guy. He's like, 
he was not even good. Like, he didn't even play college. <laughs> like, you know, he just went on about all this stuff. And I was like, interesting. This is a point that I want to make. He, over the years of speaking, has created his own stories over the last 30 years to make the stories land better for the people he speaks to. But those weren't reality for him. If you have to actually say, let me put a GoPro to you 20, 30 years ago in your prime, was that reality? So we've created the self-deception in the past. We also have created self-deception in a negative way sometimes. Sometimes we do it for positive and maybe that serves us. But sometimes we do it in a very destructive way. Uh, we also do that for our futures. So let's just say in the future, um, we have, oh, oh, before I move into the future, there's another point I want to put. So when you, when you have a relationship, so this is an important part of the past. Relationships actually hold on to the past versions of ourselves and often don't allow us to transform. Me personally, I've gone through something like this where the 22-year-old version of me when I got married isn't the same version of the 30-year-old version of me today. And some of you guys might relate to this. And you may have done something wrong in a relationship. You may have had a bad business move or a bad business partner, a bad spouse, a bad said something. You might have done something wrong. But if, if somebody holds you to that version of you as 23 or 24, and they don't allow you to move into the new today version of you, because every time they look at you, they see you from a lens of the 24-year-old version, not the 30-year-old version, and they hold on to that and hold on to that and hold on to that, it actually will suck you back into that 24-year-old version, whether you like it or not, or it's going to literally be like, like reins holding you from allowing this transformation. So your very tight network, family's a big one. It's like, hey, mom, dad, I'm not the 14-year-old boy that you still think I am. This is a common problem. Hey, um, maybe there's boss. Like, hey, dude, I'm st I'm three years into this. I'm not the brand new rep that you brought me in to be. Or maybe it's, you know, so, so you've got to look at it and, and allow those that are around you, allow them to move into, like, think of them like a caterpillar going to a new butterfly or like metamorphosis. Like they're evolving like a snake shedding skins. And it's like the snake is a lot bigger than it was when it was a little baby. And it had to shed many layers to get there. And you had to allow it to, because if you stuck it in its one layer and, and it was trying to grow and grow, it actually died. And many people end up dying because they don't allow the shed, the skin to shed. So anyway, I, I need to put that in there before I move on. So the future, um, I had a rep, uh, his name was Evan. And I'm gonna, I, I hope to not like screw up the story, but he was just one of those guys. And I think a lot of people could relate to it. Those one, those guys that read all the books, was on all the calls, sat in the front row, had a journal out, notes out, spoke it, read it, listened to the podcast, rah, rah, dude, and great guy on the team. And it was really frustrating oftentimes when I would see all of his results suck. And he was all about 10x and I'm going to get the Lamborghini and I'm going to take the Instagram photos. And he talked about his million dollar mansion. He talked about this and that. He talked about all the things he was going to buy. But when it came push to shove, you were to fact check him on the actions he was taking when it came to actual work. And his work ethic wasn't there. He was a lot of talk and a little bit of walk. And over time, it really was taxing on people because they're like, man, I like this guy. He can quote every book in the planet. But he still broke as a joke. I was asking for an advance. And I was like, what is the problem here? And it was he was so attached to the future version of himself 
that he could never look in the mirror and ask him, like, where am I at today? What am I doing today? And it's a bad trap that I think we get in where we um, love the recognition of when we talk about cool things in the future because there's an immediate dopamine hit when everybody's like, yeah, that would be awesome. That would be, oh, when you accomplish that, congrats. Like, and, and it feels like we, we got that like love and, and praise right then and there, and we actually misinterpret it. And we, we ride on those coattails when in reality, there's, that isn't what is, that is in the future. So what is, is you need to do the actions today. And so there's this weird balance between manifestation, goal setting, you know, future ambition, and just looking at the freaking four inches in front of us and being like, what do I need to do right now, right now, right now, right now, and stop looking in the clouds because there's, you know, if I get stuck in the clouds, no traction. If I'm just on the ground, there's no vision. So you've got to find this middle ground between going back and forth between traction and vision. So again, self-deception shows up because we talk about all the developing talents that we want to get instead of looking at like, am I good at sales? Have I actually put in the work today to learn how to be better at sales or business or entrepreneurship? Or do I know X, Y, Z, what I'm trying to accomplish? Um, and then the third one is basically it's called confirmation bias or contextual bias. And confirmation bias is the tendency to seek out, interpret, judge, and remember information so that it supports our own pre-existing views and ideas. And it has a lot to do with this whole past element but it's basically the identity in which we've developed into is going to put a biasism on our own realities. Um, for example, let's take religion. We have, you know, I grew up in the Church of Latter-day Saints. And so I look at all Christian religions in, in, in one way. I look at scripture in my own way, how I was taught ever since I was a kid. And, you know, the other day I, I like decided to kind of detach. And I said, what if I just looked at all Buddhist, Muslim, Christian, XY church, non-denominational. I said, what if I looked at things all contextually as they are and their beliefs in God and the universe and scripture, Christ, everything. And I laid everything in front of me and it was very interesting because it took away for the first time in my life, the confirmation bias in which I supported every idea and frame in which I saw the world or religion or spirituality in and of itself. And it was quite freeing actually to look at, you know, look at things that way, look at them from a holistic universal lens, um, almost as if God would, would look at them that way. Um, instead of the puppy dog version, the beaten up, the, you know, calloused you. And contextual bias is on which we put frames in the context in which we're looking at it. So take drugs, for example. You know, I don't do drugs. It's not been like in my religious background. But if you look at like, take um, I don't know. Let's take uh, acid, for example. So what is it? It's a fungus or peyote. Let's use peyote. So peyote, the Indians did it for a long time. And it was a, it was like a social, traditional hallucinogen that helped them have these visions or whatever. Right. And to us, we're like, we look at that drug and we're like, dude, it's drug. But to an Indian in context, when, how and when they used it, it was very a spiritual religious practice that they would do. So us, we're like, man, you guys are just getting high on this peyote. And they're like, no, this is like the most connected and spiritual element of we've ever been with our, you know, the universe or God or however they looked at it in their practice. And so it's all in context. If I was born into a family which 
you know, did X, Y, Z or a religion or a business situation. Um, you know, I look at like business culture. Uh, there's a company I used to work for, big alarm company. And, you know, th the way that they saw the door-to-door -door industry was we're the only ones out here. We're the best. There's there's only one way to do this. Our, our training is the best. And I'm like, dude, I have debunked that 50 times over. There's a lot of great companies. There's a lot of people that do it the right way. There's a lot of awesome training. There's a lot of good leaders out there. And but yet the context in which they were saying that it's like, yeah, if you were in there, maybe that's how you had to see things. Um, and so the problem is, is we'd be able to accomplish more if we were able to break past our own limiting lens and see things from like just neutral. What is like if I could look at things as the is instead of take away instead of having contextual limitations or confirmation biasism, I would actually be able to supersede my own belief system. And a lot of the, the limitation actually comes from the ego. And, you know, there's a quote by Ryan Halliday that I like that says the ego we see most commonly goes by a more casual definition, an unhealthy belief in our own importance, arrogance, self-centeredness, ambition. Um, from the book, e Ego is the Enemy. And, you know, it's interesting um, to put things into kind of context. There's a, uh, Paul Jenkins gave a talk at Door to Door Con a couple years ago, and I did some counseling with him. Great dude. Yes, a, basically this um, pathological happiness book that's really good. And he has this formula and he talks about everything could always be worse and everything could always be better. So where are we going to sit when we evaluate and when we create the future and when we evaluate the is, ask yourself, could it, it, could it be worse? And so, you know, there's a time when I was driving up into the mountains to go camping and I was trying to get a bunch of business calls done. And I remember I was talking to a team lead and I was like, hey, man, like, how are things going? And he's like, hey, the entire team just picked up and left. And then the phone cuts out and I'm sitting there like, oh, man. So no service, couple days. You know, I know Stephen has had multiple moments when we drop him off in the jungle in the and in the it's like same thing. Team is leaving. He's like, I don't have service. He's over here laughing. Um, anyway, so I've had this situation before where I'm like, oh crap. So I now have a choice to say all the worst case scenarios. They took all the team. I don't have a cell phone. They're going to call all my other teams. They're going to start poaching them. And then I'm going to like, come home. There's going to be no reps left. I'm going to have to start over. And I know how hard it was. Blah, 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 blah. What does that do? It creates what we call anxiety. So the anticipation of the unknown in the future and the ultimate worst case scenario is going to be anxiety. And many of us suffer from anxiety before we got into the field, the sales, sales calls, you know, what if they all yell at me and, and we create the worst case scenario? This neighborhood's going to beat me up. I'm going to get the cops calling me, blah, blah, blah. Well, no, what is you're still getting, sitting in your car and you're still driving out to area. Now you're just creating worst case scenario. So how you evaluate things is it always could be worse is how you need to evaluate it. Meaning, well, at least not all of the team picked up and died. They just left <laughs> or it could be worse. The guy calling me could have left with them or, you know, it could be worse. Uh, we could have got a flat tire on the way to area and never even got to area. Um, and then you and then you create a better situation. So the best case scenario is they all just left to go to Applebee's and then they were going to be back on the like or they went on a preseason trip and then they're coming back and they never even left our company. And, you know, so it's this 
you you get to dictate whether you want to evaluate the past as bad and that's what creates this depression or see the gift in the past and say oh we lived through that those are experiences that make me who i am and evaluate that and then then i don't have this depression i don't have this stuck in the past it could be worse is going to help me see things from positive lens and then it's going to be better in the future is going to help keep me in a positive lens if i flip-flop those two i'm going to end up always in the negative always in the pessimism and a lot of people in business and sales we get stuck in that that rut and you know i think there's an interesting excerpt from the book and i'm going to read this it says how do we feel when people around us habitually react to challenges with negative negativity conversely how do we feel when the reaction of the to difficult situations is instinctly positive difficult challenges even painful disasters are viewed as opportunities for invention creation innovation and positive change energy replaces apathy focus replaces fear determination replaces doubt Truth replaces tra tradition, productivity. And that truth replaces tradition. That's where the context, that's where the uh, confirmation bias. Productivity replaces lethargy. We're all often, or we are all after one thing, the feeling. The feeling that life is good. The feeling that life is great. The life is perfect. The life is, li this is our quest. All theories, philosophies, policies, practices, and tools are roads which are intended to lead us to the realm, to feel good, better, great. Success is accomplished through an accurate understanding and application of what brings us the feeling. Failure is accomplished through an er erroneous understanding and application of what brings us the feeling. Our objective in life is to achieve or acquire the feeling. Pathological positivity is the process of acquiring the feeling. It always works. Meaning it always works is seeing things as they are and as the is and saying this is exactly what needs to be happening right now in the moment and i'm not going to get worked up about what's going to be happening in the future i could lose my job i might have a I might have to sell my house i might have to you know all the things that could happen that's not going to make me happy it's exactly working out how it's supposed to work out and i'm doing everything i can to make it work out how it's supposed to and whatever happened to the past is the past whatever's going to happen in the future is the future and this is the is line so I hope that you guys um, can maintain yourselves and your emotions and your thoughts and your logic to, to live on that is line and that you can practice presence because this is what makes somebody masterful at achievement. And as you look at trying to accomplish a lot in life, you can't get anywhere until you are where you are. It's doing that. Um, anyway, much love. Share this if you got some love out of this. Look forward to uh, the book. It's gonna. My goal is by the end of the year have it written, and then it probably takes some editing and revisions and all the illustrations and all that kind of stuff. So, you guys are awesome. Peace out. Much love. See ya. Knockin', knockin', knockin'.